Hello and welcome to another episode of Where's My Freaking Dressing Room, a podcast discussing the world of classical music and what things are really like backstage. I'm Alex. And I'm Helen. And today we're going to have a fun episode called The Roaring Twenties. Hello The reopening after COVID of the arts. What fun this is going to be. <laughs> um, I prefer to think it's going to be more of a Great Depression and a slump, but Helen is ever the optimist we thought we'd have a chat about something that no doubt lots of artists um, are talking about at this time things seem to be going relatively well in terms of the vaccination program in terms of uh you know plans to reintroduce audiences into sports venues and concert halls and so i'm sure like like many of you out there we're wondering what the arts are going to look like post covid so we're going to have a chat about a few of the ideas that we have had and um we wanted to kind of discuss firstly i think what's going to be interesting is people's comfort levels mm. um and then we're going to talk about well essentially whether this is going to be the roaring 20s or potentially the great depression you know that idea of is there going to be a boom in the arts are there going to be more and more concerts are there going to be more and more people working or is it going to be a, a difficult time and i think we'd both agree that there are solid arguments to, to mm-hmm. either side of that case and then following that a really good idea that i thought alex had was was the mantra go forwards not backwards yeah the idea that you know in having this downtime i think we've all had the opportunity to think about our work and our art and our culture and um i think we both really agree that it's important to essentially let's try and take the things that we've learned over the course of this year and put them into practice rather than going back into potentially bad habits Mm -hmm. um and then finally um i think we were just going to talk about you know kind of getting back into the swing of things seeing concerts again being in concerts again and uh how that might feel strap in yeah so starting off with with comfort levels and things so well i don't know what experience you've had so far but certainly for me (laughs) i haven't had much singing experience yet with with people post opening up but more teaching and things like that and it's curious to see how uh, families and kids uh are happy with a teacher entering someone's house um, and teaching in person now rather than over Zoom Uh, and the the fanatical parents versus the more relaxed parents. And, well, I see both of their points of views, of course, and obviously they want... It's so much better having lessons in person rather than via Zoom or Skype or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, it's just curious to, to understand how people cope with this change now would you say families were quite quick to have teachers back to 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 kind of work together with their kids well some yeah Mm -hmm. and some were really pushing for it before sure (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and some and some are still saying no no no, it's fine stay online for the time being yeah Yeah. until they've had their two shots or whatever and you would say it's better in person for some kids yeah actually for others it really doesn't make a difference it depends on the age really i sure. mean some of them you know they if they're put in front of a screen then they just like smash it with their fists great which is me actually so <laughs> technologically we work together really well <laughs> um but uh, and also for me going back to having to travel and obviously going going from house to house you know I could potentially be a super spreader now. (laughs) But I can't really imagine going back to the stage that I was at before, where, say, I was 
commuting to, say, Oldgate for rehearsals every day, and then maybe going up to Highgate to Juta and South Ken before going back home. Oh. So it's like you're literally dotting all about London on buses and tubes. Uh, yeah, I really don't want to go back to that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I often think about, there was like a period of time I was commuting from Cambridge to London, peak travel time. Mm. And I often think about like being on the Northern Line platform, I would miss four tubes because they were all so full and then by the time that you get to the front of that squeeze you get on the tube i was just thinking about it i i could not do that no. I, even you know when there's a few people in a tube carriage now i'm like okay might need to change carriage my you've got your you bleach know, out really yeah, yeah and um it's funny isn't it but for some people they're just straight back in there and they really don't mind and it's um what exactly what we're talking about it's interesting to see what different people's comfort levels are and, and what they're happy to do and what they're well, not happy to do, essentially. Mm. Yeah. And I guess the, the thing is, how are companies going to react to that? Yeah. So say, you know, if, if they do manage to put on a show and rehearsals, brilliant, obviously yeah. giving artists work, but how, you know, are they going to be flexible with yeah. with that and yeah. people people maybe not being so happy with with this level of travel and and people in a room or whatever or is it going to be quite hardline you know oh well if you're not happy there are 25,000 other mezzo sopranos waiting to fill your shoes you know <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it'd be interesting to talk to them we're coming from a work culture where if you can't do the job literally like you said if you can't do the job there are thousands of other people mm. that can so kind of stand aside however I would also say that we're moving into a time where people's mental health and well-being is becoming a greater priority and you know like it or not this year we've all gone through a trauma of some description and everybody will take time to recover from that and so if somebody isn't comfortable with being in a room with seven other people for the rehearsal or whatever does that person lose out on that work does that person lose out on that job and I, I you know I'm I'm kind of wrestling with myself as to whether that's fair mm. and say that they don't feel comfortable could a company or an employer make a commitment that they would check back in with them in two months time to kind of see where they're at and be like okay well we've got this other thing that we think you know you'd work for so I suppose dealing with the difficulty literally in front of them but offering them the promise of potential future work because I think something that's so tough in this freelance art career is every job is so important mm -hmm. because every job helps you develop what feels like an unstable career but if you're if you're currently in a position where you you don't feel comfortable being around other people or close to other people then then that's a that's a really difficult thing I think that one has to kind of reckon with and, and wrestle with at this time. I wonder also whether there'll be more of an emphasis on local work I mean I, I, I don't really know how that would work because obviously London is so sprawling so it's like oh I live in London it's like no you don't you're yeah. three hours away but whatever um, but obviously with Brexit and everything like that you know international travel might be difficult for a bit so it might be more homegrown UK artists doing UK jobs um, but will it be even more localized than that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, talking about people's kind of comfort levels and just feeling off what you're saying there, Alex. It's been interesting going back into college and doing the last few weeks uh, at Conservatoire in person. And um, 
I, I cannot actually describe how exhausting the first kind of three days were to the point that, you know, I'd get home and I'd be asleep by like 8.15 in the evening because I it was just, it's such a, obviously it's not gradual. You're, you're not like gradually reinstating yourself. It's like, right, everything that would have been in person is now in person. See you on campus. And, and alongside all of that, you know, I was saying to a friend, it, it's just that element literally of like packing a bag and remembering everything you're supposed to pack, I'd just turn up and be like, oh, I don't have my charger, or I, I forgot my score, or I forgot my pencils, or whatever. And, um, you know, you kind of feel like a, a kid that's, like, packing their bag for secondary school or something. Don't get your PE kit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all these things that we haven't had to do for such a long time, and we're, and we're now just kind of being thrown straight back in, um, I, I found it really exhausting. And... I was surprised when I returned to campus to find that there were members of our kind of a year and and the couple of years below that weren't coming back and I totally understand that and and you know having chats with some of them there were multiple reasons influencing those decisions and everybody has to do what's right for them but I felt for them because at the end of the day it's a practical degree Mm -hmm. and ideally you want to kind of glean as much from it as you possibly can in person and it's tricky now because it's like we're attempting to do live opera scenes, rehearsals with small numbers of people. But then you've got maybe one or two people on a screen kind of watching and, and commenting. And I, I know everybody's trying to make it work for everybody. But in reality, uh, it doesn't work. Yeah, actually, I, I wondered whether the... I've had such glamorous roles in the past, you know, coffin spit roles. Yeah, they They're great. <laughs> and it's like... Oh, if you literally have one line in that scene and you're standing in the corner, then, okay, you're involved in the scene and you want to be in the rehearsal room and everything. But if it's really difficult for you to be there, could you be on a screen? Yeah, that's fair. I I wonder, yeah, I wonder if that that might change people's opinions on how how it could work. Yeah, definitely. And I, I wonder, certainly with, you know, something I'm doing in the summer, rather than us all meeting wherever you know we had a zoom meeting to kind of discuss how we were going to work with the score and I thought that was you know one way in which as we go forward actually that virtual meeting is really helpful there I didn't have to travel for an hour or an hour and a half Mm. to get there you know I didn't have to take a packed dinner I could just sort my (laughs) nerd (laughs) literally me and Tupperware it's unbelievable my banana sales have gone through the roof again it's great so many squashed bananas in my bag bananas and beans (laughs) something that's important for me is that people feel able to say if they're not comfortable Mm. because I would say so far I have seen people be uncomfortable and not not feel able to say anything because it is you know it's it's tough and and particularly again in our field Mm. you know it's not like a I don't know a law firm where you you could probably keep doing a lot of your meetings on zoom and you can kind of reintegrate at your own pace with something like the arts it's it's such a close-knit people-based industry so i yeah i I think it's um it's interesting to see to see yeah i know and well it's that thing isn't it you know it is you know it's such a doggy dog industry so everyone will be putting on their bravest face and be like yeah of course i'm happy (laughs) Uh, no problem of course i'll kiss you (laughs) (laughs) no i i and i felt that i i was definitely telling somebody that i was so happy to be back and in my head i was like you're not happy to be back at all you're really nervous (laughs) but i just i i didn't feel i could show that weakness at that time Mm. so i was like it's great i love it so much and then like i got home and i was like i hate it so (laughs) much (laughs) this kind of leads us on to whether 
you know, is is this going to be a sudden uh, boom, a boom and explosion of art and creativity and work for everyone? Or is it going to be a time maybe of, uh, you know, lack of money, meaning that people can't put on productions because, you know, so many theatres and little companies have had to shut down uh, through, through, well, because of COVID, obviously. Sorry, yeah. that's, <laughs> don't, don't even know why I hesitated there. Um, yeah, so what, what is this future couple of months, year, two years going to look like? I, I felt like we took different sides. Very different sides. Um, Let's go depressing first. Yeah, okay. I... <laughs> I don't know. I just... <laughs> so many companies are now, oh, you know, we're not going to do big shows because uh, we'll, we'll stick to smaller things with smaller number of people, yeah. which, which can be scaled back even more if we need to, if there are social distancing or whatever that come back in, in the winter again. So therefore, because of that and other companies that have folded for whatever reason, there, therefore it's going to be even more of a scrap yeah. for work. I have to say, things. yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And having, spoken to some various companies that are surviving Mm. you know a lot of what they're saying is a they're kind of postponing contracts so it's like things that would have taken place in 2020 they're moving to 2021 potentially 2022 if not further ahead so it's like those slots those those opportunities are already filled i understand Mm -hmm. there's there's lots of different needs and lots of different pressures on all these companies but i think it's tough because there are people coming out of conservatoire now that are looking for these opportunities and they're not they're available thinking. because various opera companies are trying to sustain and stay alive. So where these artists should be going is tricky. And as we were kind of saying before, compiled with Brexit, you know, the fact that a lot a lot of people are now going to be vying for the same positions in our country mm-hmm. you know we had a masterclass recently with mezzo anna stephanie who was talking about the fact that she did three years out in germany and she loved it and she said it was such a formative part of her career and she was worried for this kind of younger generation because i mean i it's i don't think it's impossible for us to get out to germany however there are far more barriers and a number of them really financial you mm-hmm. have to pay so mm-hmm. much now in order to be able to get out there and complete that study and so i i think Therefore, we have more artists turning inwards to these various opportunities based in the UK. So the, the competition is is much, much mm-hmm, higher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that, that, and that's why I think there's going to be this mad, like, scrap and dash for, <laughs> scrap and dash uh, <laughs> for, for the work that's available here. I think you're right. And, you know, we, we briefly touched on it when we were deciding what to talk about in, in this episode. But we are concerned in a way that... As we're coming back into the industry and we're we're having opportunities to perform again, people are so desperate to perform and so so desperate to enjoy that experience that often actually I I find people are doing things for a a really um, insufficient fee. Mm. And I totally understand. And if I'm honest, I would probably do the same in certain (laughs) circumstances. If the right opportunity came along, I'd probably do it for pittance. However... I think it's important that we don't set this precedent that we work for this fee because in reality that's not it's not viable it's not sustainable and um at the end of the day it's not fair you know mm-hmm. you you think how long you've taken to develop your craft and you know your worth but you know because of these various companies not having the appropriate funds people are asking everything to do a little bit on the shy and it's like 
I suppose I understand that right now, but I would be concerned that if in three, four years' time, are those fees going to become the standard fees? And I guess the idea that, you know, casting directors might simply pick people for their their like audience pull yes so rather than well I, I suppose going back to the sort of casting which was before where where you know one person gets gets every role yeah uh, because they are the superstar yeah, yeah, yeah. who you know people people don't even care what opera they're seeing <laughs> necessarily they're just they're just there to see x on stage i just feel like the casting will go even more that way yeah again. yeah i mean i i think we talked about this i saw a couple of seasons come out and you know it was just all the massive names and of course i understand and we'll come on to this a little later i think but i i think we were excited that you know so much discussion has happened this year and i think we've all had so much time to think about arts and culture you know there's part of you that thinks wouldn't it be exciting if some big institutions kind of take the bull by the horns and make some immediate changes to kind of reflect the times and uh i just got a sense that it was a bit more of a let's get bums on seats yeah for sure type exercise as opposed to potentially setting a precedent or Mm -hmm. making a change in how how we operate but yeah i i think you know we've offered some slightly dreary thoughts there but guys it's not all bad it's not all bad at all and uh i think the other side of the coin is that there is also the potential for there to be a real artistic boom and something that i in a way am excited about is that smaller companies of all descriptions be they orchestras or uh, opera companies um because they have fewer outgoings because they have fewer staff etc cetera, etc cetera, they're more flexible which means they're able to adapt to these difficult times in particular in a way the seasonal opera houses because they're outdoors they're able to bring in larger audiences immediately without that kind of barrier of of oh, how, how does everyone get to the bathroom or the bar mm-hmm. or you know how the do bar. we have traffic yeah most importantly the bar so i'm i'm excited to see some of these smaller opera companies in terms of the work they're going to put on and how they're going to adapt and in particular that local element i think there is a sense that people are going to take to their local venues and attempt to put on work in their kind of local concert houses and I think that's quite exciting because when you read the Arts Council reports on like the state of the culture in the UK, obviously it's quite London centric. Mm -hmm. And there has been quite a big push on there being these dots uh, of culture kind of across the country. You know, you've got things like the City of Culture, Coventry, (laughs) City of Culture, 2021, (laughs) got it in there. Yes. But I, I think that kind of thing is important because at the end of the day, London isn't the be all and end all. And all of these different areas of the UK all have their own flavors and their styles and their tastes. And for some of them, you know, they're actually able to come out of this far better off than the major institutions. Hello, it's Fiona from The Culture Bar, a bi-monthly arts and culture podcast series created by Harrison Parrott. In The Culture Bar, you can enjoy conversations and interviews from guests from all over the world, from professional musicians and painters, the bright minds behind orchestras, arts venues and festivals, to authors, politicians, scientists and even former football referees. Join us for no-nonsense opinions and answers on burning topics impacting the arts, such as climate change, LGBTQ+, tech, culture and society, politics and diversity and inclusion. By listening to our show, you will gain insights and hear opinions from people living and breathing the arts world and discussing alternative views. If you like the sound of all of this, then we are the podcast for you. 
You can find The Culture Bar on all global podcast sites. I mean, I know I'm, I'm the great advocate of this Great Depression following. <laughs> but one thing that I am looking forward to is um, the creative use of space. So, you know, a lot of the summer opera houses, for example, they have the, their grounds and the beautiful old houses, but they don't tend to really use them much other than for picnicking and champagne. And they just use the theatre. So, you know, maybe they'll start opening up the houses more, doing more outdoorsy things or quasi in out, you know, moving around during the show or whatever. I don't know, just to use the entire space in a creative and interesting manner in order to get around social distancing and, you know, flow of air. You know, another bullet point for the boom. (laughs) It's something that we're going to talk about in another episode, actually. But um, something we've both thought about a lot recently is... um, kind of making your own opportunities you know that idea that being singers and and young artists you can often feel like you're at the behest of everybody else but if you're able to decide to create something um you're kind of in control of that and I I think there's there's something really incredibly satisfying about having like creative ownership Mm -hmm. over something and I found kind of towards the end of last year I felt more and more people were designing their own things like earth things brilliant but you know what i mean like creative projects Mm. um you know i I was talking to somebody just recently who's kind of hoping to set up their own opera company uh really kind of championing those kind of underrepresented works that we never get to see and i was like i think that's fantastic idea and then another friend of mine was like yeah you know i'm gonna set up like a, a a kind of online voice studio for those people that essentially don't feel able to kind of work face to face and it's nice to hear people taking charge mm-hmm. of their own ideas and and it, of, of course it's a lot of work and it's a lot of kind of entrepreneurial spirit and it, and it might n- not for everybody be a complete success but at least I would say I think there are certain people that are trying to come out of this time with something that they they have built and for, for many of those people it's still in the field of the arts so I think there's a time here where we might see brand new ideas brand new companies brand new explorations of culture and uh you know i i don't think that would have happened That's without true. this difficult time. i mean heck this podcast mm. flip it out we wouldn't have had this podcast imagine a world the without yeah, this podcast without our inane chat <laughs> but i you know I, I think that's a case in point that that people are attempting to to use this time to build things and um i think there there is something positive and exciting that can come out of that and actually that really nicely leads us on to our following point, which is uh, Alex's uh, go forwards, not backwards. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, the idea, you know, we've all we've all discovered ourselves uh, during COVID because we've had time. Um, and I think, you know, so many singers have said, oh God, it's been so nice to finally not be rushing from X to Y to Z and, you know, to be really stressed and tired all the time and, and not really know where where I am with my social life and you know my just normal day-to-day trying to get by living um so now we know what we need try when things do open up fully again whenever that will be keeping some of that sanity and not allowing things to get so mental and overwhelming again and not you know so many of my friends friends acquaintances (laughs) (laughs) colleagues (laughs) (laughs) where oh I didn't like every time oh how are you this morning so tired so exhausted like always just like 
living what's the is it like living on a shoestring is that a saying never heard of that never heard, no terrible. okay <laughs> keep it in though we'll keep that in yeah can we can we go back to to the industry and not be like that maybe just be a bit saner and a bit happier yeah a bit more yeah. mentally aware yeah easier with each other maybe not always provoking each other not provoke not deliberately provoking each other but you know everyone always had such a front on before I think people still do have that front but something that you know we're very passionate about with this is you know people talk and open up not not having that veneer of pretense all the time so that you know when you're talking to people you know you're always having to clang essentially like oh well you know I, I'm, I'm doing the X, Y and Z later so I'm, I'm so busy at the moment blah, blah, blah. and you know everyone ends up doing that and inadvertently yeah, yeah yeah putting yeah. each other down mm-hmm. and making each other very stressed mm-hmm. so maybe we could not do that in the future <laughs> I mean I'll still do that obviously <laughs> but other people it's so funny to have had this year where it's essentially a complete break from what we would normally do. And I, and I think you're right. Certain people, myself included, and yourself, have taken this time to do some self-reflection mm-hmm. and, you know, have a think about things. And actually, I think an episode that we're hoping to do in the future is on this idea of boundaries, essentially. And what I mean when I say boundaries is like things that we are and are not willing to do now in our craft. Because I, I think before, exactly like you say, People would run around like headless chickens, mm-hmm. ourselves included. It didn't even have to be running from gig to gig, though. It would be like a tutoring to tutoring or or whatever. And, you know, you would push yourself to the limit because you felt that was what was required of the job. But at the end of the day, I think having had this time, you know, I, I certainly think to myself, can I plan my day in a way that's essentially kind to mm-hmm. me, i.e. Mm-hmm. like... I get the work done that I want to do. I feel like I'm making progress that is key to me. However, I'm not like bashing my head in, trying to do a million things at once because that's the key to success because it's not. And I know that, but I sometimes I can't help but fall back into that trap. And just as you were saying there about this veneer, that's something we've both thought a lot about, I think, over this lockdown period, how we all put this front on and how particularly through this podcast, we're trying to take that away and and show perhaps a more real image of what you young musicians and artists are like. But even, you know, the other day I was with colleagues at college and I just was there with my front <laughs> being like, oh yeah, so busy, so much going, oh yeah, final recital. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm working with this and blah, blah, blah. And I came away and I was, dis- I was, I was disappointed with myself because I was like, that wasn't very real and that wasn't very... Considerate. Yeah literally as I was listening to you there I thought you know it's really important I think as we go back into this work to try and create a more supportive Mm. atmosphere so rather than it being this contest of who's busier and who has more work there must be a way of us being able to talk about what we're doing and not feeling slighted or put down by it on a similar line something that we were talking about before you know is is that idea of being properly remunerated I, I think for lots of us Having not had work for quite a while, it certainly, for me, made me consider how hard I've worked over the last seven years or so and how little I have to show for it. In And that, that is in a purely material sense. And I know that material things are not the be-all and end-all. However, 
you would look at somebody that's working in a in an accountancy firm or a law firm and after seven years of probably quite hard work they'd have worked their way up the ladder they'd probably have some financial safety and security but of course in this career we don't get that and I and I was thinking about a lot of the work I did and how hard I worked and how much time I gave to it how much overtime I gave to a lot of the work you know if I were to do it again I would demand better pay Mm. because at the end of the day I I was thinking about what my time and experience are worth and I'm I'm not saying they're worth loads but I am saying that they're worth more than they were being paid at that time Mm. and this lockdown's been financially difficult and part of me thought you know if I'd been properly paid for a large proportion of the work I did I wonder if I'd be in a different position maybe not but it was just something that I thought about and again I think for me when we say this go forwards not backwards I think that's important in terms of pay I think it's important that we as artists are paid properly for our time and um yeah I I just think you know Alex and I've been thinking about ways we want our industry to improve and be better and I think for me that they were two quite key Mm. things I guess I guess on the pay thing it's funny because it's it's a collective effort that it has to be because I remember before years ago I auditioned for something and I didn't really read the fine print properly let's be honest um (laughs) uh, and I got it obviously because I'm really good (laughs) Um, but they said, um, oh yeah, so, you know, we'll expect half the fee in advance. And I was like, oh, oh, I pay for this. Oh, I didn't realize that. Stupid yeah. me. Yeah. I am paying for the privilege of being able to perform with these people. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, and, you know, we had a sort of back and forth and they said, okay, maybe you can pay a bit less or something. But then someone else swooped in and was like, oh, of course I'll happily do that. Yeah. So, you know, it's this sort of, banding together if everyone agrees the same and says look we're we're not happy to work for yeah sludge uh, yeah yeah i totally agree that like it has to be a collective effort in in all of the things we're talking about you know there'll be mistakes it will take time you know the revolution didn't happen overnight and one other thing i think in terms of this idea of you know going forwards and back not backwards sorry and like good practices that we take going forward i i think this year has been a a real time for the arts to kind of reckon with a lot of its issues but one in particular on kind of in terms of diversity and representation and you know it's really funny I was I was planning my recital program my final recital program sorry and I looked at it and it was like Stravinsky, Britain, Beethoven, there wasn't Mozart but I'm saying Mozart (laughs) Bach but you know what I mean it was the classic like how many white men can Mm -hmm, I list mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in one day and I looked at it and I just thought gosh that's not really representative of me and what I think and feel about like the arts and and culture and and you know the world in general and I was like right gonna absolutely sort this program out and so you know I've, I've come up with something that I think is really interesting you know there's a good gender balance there's a good diversity balance and um it makes for a more exciting program mm-hmm. it's more interesting and um I I suppose at the moment when I'm seeing opera houses release their 2021 seasons I just think ah oh, this is an opportunity for for quite immediate and positive change and you know I, I think I said before that idea of grabbing the bull by the horns and just really going with it because at the end of the day when everyone releases these statements saying they're committed but then their work doesn't show it it's like well how how committed are you and what does commitment really mean to you in that Mm. respect and so you know I think in terms of this going forward I personally and I hope I know 
a lot of other people are and I hope it starts to infuse into institutions that desire to create diverse work mm. and and to explore diverse work I know right and there are there are some like fabulous companies who yeah. uh, you know promote lesser known works by Handel or Donizetti or whoever yeah and you know, it's it's brilliant that they're doing that, but it's that that's such a safe comfort zone yeah. space to be exploring. Like, why 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 just like unknown Donizetti and Handel? Why not unknown composer? Full yeah. stop. That I yeah, haven't yeah, heard yeah. of. Yeah. You know, it's it's curious. And I I did see that they're they're adapting the GCSE kind of curriculum to kind of diversify, and I thought that's a great first step. And you kind of think it'll be amazing once these children are older what will their ideas be what what will their like desire for our art and culture mm-hmm, look mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. and one final point on this sorry promise <laughs> um is you know this time has has really taught me how to practice in a very sensible way mm-hmm. and you know i haven't had to firefight and just like quickly get through this score because yeah. i'm seeing it tomorrow and then you know so that i i can make time for the next score to get yep. through you know i've i've really decided okay well this day of practice is going to be just on this very small point mm-hmm. and I'm not just going to screen through my repertoire mm-hmm. um <laughs> desperately trying to get through it so you know I'm hoping hoping to be able to try and take that into my future yeah um yeah. when all the work comes flooding back <laughs> <laughs> so many calls with <laughs> that was something we really briefly mentioned on uh, the fabulous uh, Nico DeVillier's podcast, What Would Mozart Do? Both of us, I think, talked a little bit about how we'd kind of used this time to learn a bit more about ourselves. And in learning a bit more about ourselves, we were therefore able to practice better. And um, I think sometimes we forget like how much we have to understand how we operate in order to kind of we'll manage ourselves and our, and our skills. Yeah, and then our final kind of point for today on this topic was kind of how I suppose exciting in a way it is to think about the fact that concerts will be returning, the fact that operas will be returning. And yes, they may be reduced capacity audiences, but still there will be opportunities to see and hear live music. And um, I think we were just thinking about how different that has the potential to be. And from a personal point of view, I was part of a very small concert uh, last week. And... um, if I'm honest, I was really emotional throughout because, you know, it was the first... I mean, I cry, I cry all the time mm. anyway. But it was the first time in a really long time I'd seen live music and there was just something so joyous about watching people perform. And um, I was just quite aware of it because I'm normally a hypercritical person. <laughs> and, you know, Alex and I are friends because we're so hypercritical. But I really... I didn't care. I didn't care that people were making mistakes. I didn't care that things perhaps weren't technically amazing. I just was like, gosh, how wonderful it is to have this opportunity that we haven't had for so long. And um, I I just wonder if there's the potential here, again, for another change, because I think a lot of people turn away from classical music uh, or find frustration with classical music because it's so pernickety and it's so oh well that technically wasn't very good or it wasn't you know honored to the what the librettist thinks or you 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 weren't accurate to the score 
I do agree in score accuracy, if I'm honest, but, you know, I'm sure there's something, there's a point in there. Um, but all of these things, I think, mean, you know, sometimes it's hard to find room for yourself mm-hmm. and for the artistry because you're being pulled in 9,000 other directions. And I just wondered if maybe in this time, the, the, the joy of performance and the joy of live music might just overtake and it might not be so much about giving the most technically perfect performance. And it might just be how joyous... It is just to have that opportunity. And I, I, yeah, I surprised myself the other day because normally I'm so critical about I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm disappointed with you as well, but you know. Whatever. But it was, it was lovely. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we were less critical? Don't say that. <laughs> I look really upset. <laughs> no, I think what I mean is like, I, I mean, we're very opinionated and we'll always have opinions on how we feel music perhaps should be but i suppose i felt more accepting of other people's interpretations and i was like yeah you do you mm. it was just a really enjoyable experience and yeah the, the one other thing that i was aware of during that time was how desperate i was to keep looking at my phone um you know because having not had like an in-person contact experience for quite some time uh you know two hours feels quite lengthy to not look so at your phone nice. and i i hate that but yeah you know it made me really want to get back into like the theater and like the concert hall because it's like i enjoy having my complete focus taken away yeah and i my complete focus is on the music rather than it being on my computer screen and my phone is flashing and something else is happening in another room you know just nine thousand distractions versus you know that's what the concert hall is made for to have that experience and um yeah i must say i'm i'm so excited to get back in there i really am yeah it'll be my level of concentration ability has massively gone down yeah yeah. um because well as you said you know you're not taken away from reality anymore are you because Mm. you're still sitting in your dreary living room (laughs) (laughs) or my lovely living room so So, you know it's like oh i could just do a little bit of cleaning while listening or or whatever it'll be interesting actually i don't think i'll have the patience but Oh, yeah. oh no, I will probably. Who am I kidding? I'm You're great. just it's like flexing a muscle, isn't it? You'll get you'll get right back into it. Mm-hmm, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it'll feel it'll feel weird initially. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're looking forward to being back in the concert hall? Yeah. yeah. But more actually as a spectator. Oh yeah. Then, yeah. yeah. I'm not well, obviously I want to perform again, but I'm really desperate. You know, what I really enjoy seeing doing is like being immersed in seeing yeah. a wonderful performance and being swept up in it. So I really can't wait. Obviously, with the with the social distancing and everything, it might be... I wonder how different it'll feel yeah. and whether you will feel that disconnect. But, oh, well, let's see. Yeah, I think uh, that's our little selection of thoughts there on um, how we think things might go, I guess, mm. over the next few months. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to, to see how things unfold. You know, I think something that we've all struggled with in terms of the pandemic is like you can't predict yeah you can't predict how the next few months are going to go and so you know it's so much a case of taking it day by day and then week by week you know it's i've i've enjoyed like looking at uh you know like say the south bank's website and like concerts they've got coming up just different programs and i'm like i'll go to that one but i think exactly like we were kind of saying we've had an opportunity to reconsider the industry here and it would be so wonderful if we can go forward with that mm. and take the things we've learned about ourselves and our craft and apply them to the work that we do as opposed to just slipping back into, into bad habits yeah so please uh, get in touch and let us know your thoughts um obviously you know 
we're not experts. Well, <laughs> we are. Um, so, you know, if you if you have a direct opposing opinions. Yeah, we want to know. Uh, right? If you agree with us, obviously get in touch. Um, yeah, it would just be interesting to know because, you know, who are we? Um, anyway, so we have our lovely shiny website, which is... Um, www.wheresmyfreakingdressingroom.com Yep, we have social media. You can catch us on Facebook forward slash dressing room pod, Twitter at dressing room PO1, and Instagram at dressing room pod. And an email address, also goodness so much, which is um, where's my freaking dressing room at gmail.com. Fab. Yeah, so if you enjoy and you like what you're hearing, please, you know, pop us that sweet five star review. Um, subscribe, you know, do all those things that everyone tells us to do all the time. Mm-hmm. Just, just do it. Um, but yeah, I think that's enough from us for now. And uh, we'll catch you again soon. Bye. Bye.